If you'll remain standing. Break that pattern. (laughs) We sit down grudgingly and rise grudgingly. So I'm taking the grudgingly out. And we will just go with, let's get into the word. Amen. All right, let's go. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay it back. But he refused. He went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay back that debt. They were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In his anger, the master turned to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Father, we're so grateful for your word. And Father, we're thankful for an atmosphere where the word is so active, God, because you're active. We thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit that's going to teach us how to follow you best. We thank you, Father, that the Holy Spirit breaks down the walls that we erect in our lives. And Father, that's what I'm asking that you do. I'm praying for a revelation of our own hearts today, Father God, so that we can grab hold of yours. We thank you for the truth. We thank you for your goodness. Father, let everything that is mine fall and be forgotten. All that is of you stand and produce fruit consistent with righteousness in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, this passage of scripture, it can, it, it can get a little heavy. Um, my grandson, Parker, was over the other day, the other evening, and He's just one of the sweetest kids, and, but there was a, a situation where I had to call him higher in his behavior, and as I was talking to him and I was trying to instruct him, he went, oh, Nana, I thought we were friends, <laughs> and I said, buddy, I am your friend, but because I love you, I'm going to call you up higher. You can behave better than this. And 
though that sounds a tad ominous, I kind of feel like that's what the Lord did with me and now I get to do it with you. Uh, I feel like the Lord has a word for us today in these scriptures and I believe it's relevant and I believe it's timely and I love that Pastor Ronnie can give me an assignment months ago and when it comes to pass, it's exactly, I believe, what we need in that moment because God's faithful that way. This passage of scripture, it, it is one that if you've been in the church very long at all, you've probably heard it over and over. We are to forgive 70 times seven or uh, endlessly forgive. And as a child, my mother quoted this one a lot for me with my sisters. Um, she'd go, now, Barbie, you've got to forgive. And then she would always add to that. Now, remember Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. And I'm like, I'm a girl. <laughs> and she'd say, blessed are the peacemakers. And it would shift me right back into the role in my household that I was supposed to play. And it was a, a role that God, I believe, had sanctioned in my life because I had always hated strife. And my role in the household was peacemaker. Even as a little one, I couldn't stand raised voices or anger and Angie, my sister, was the pretty one. My oldest sister was the very cool one. The one right below her, Cindy, was the nice one. And I, wait, that means I'm not, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm the peacemaker. <laughs> I was the peacemaker, and I was good with that. And the Lord has nurtured that in my life over time. So blessed are the peacemakers, Barbie. Blessed are the peacemakers. And then as I was studying this, I was thinking, how cool, because we all know that Pastor Ronnie, the word that was spoken in his house was blessed are the meek. <laughs> and, I'm and I'm thinking, I see these things playing out in his life and in my life now because he really is a meek person. Um, not in the manner of mildness that one would assume, but in the manner of the actual definition of meek, it means to endure injury with patience, without resentment. To endure injury with patience, without resentment. And I have watched that in his life for so many years. Hal and I came here in 1991. We've been here a long time, and he has faithfully walked in that. And I believe that a lot of that has to do with parental prophecy. I believe that has to do with the things that we speak over our children. I believe his parents called him meek. My mom called me a peacemaker, and I believe that those things come to fruition in our lives. And may I take this moment to just challenge you to watch your words with your kids because they take them to heart. They take them to heart and they will manifest them in their lives if you're not careful. We're called to be parents who speak life over our children. But I find it interesting that I'm called to be a peacemaker and your senior pastor has a meek heart. Now, it is my understanding that he is not so meek when playing sports. <laughs> but seeing as how I have never played sports with him, I have never seen him break character. <laughs> so uh, let me just say that. But I do find it interesting that the, the people that God has placed in a position of authority in this house is someone who loves peace and someone who can endure injury with, uh, with great grace. He is such a mercy person, such a grace person. And I love that that's what God has placed in this house. As such... 
I believe we as a body have a calling in those areas in a very strong and specific way. I believe God has called us to be purveyors of peace. And I believe that he has called us to endure injury with patience, without resentment. I believe that there is a spirit of strife that has been released on the planet in the earth today that combats that every single waking moment. If you look around you right now on the earth, you don't see a lot of meekness. You don't see a lot of peace seekers in the world. And I believe God is calling us to something different. I believe God is calling us to walk around with a a strong recognition of the fact that we've been forgiven for so much so that we are ready to forgive the little that we often see as much. And this has just been rolling around in my spirit because I hate strife. I just, I, I, I hate it. The Lord just began to, to open some things. The scriptures tell us that where there is strife, every evil work abounds. Think about that. Think about that. The word also tells us for lack of a whisper, the fire dies down. What the Lord began to show me in my spirit is that strife begins with whispers. A whisper becomes gossip. Gossip becomes slander. Slander becomes frustration. Frustration becomes pain. Pain becomes malice. And all of a sudden there's the screaming and shouting from the thing that once began as a whisper because the spirit of strife is alive in the planet, and he loves to stir things up. But see, we are called to be lovers of peace, lovers of God. And instead, I just, it just, it, it gets me, the scriptures tell us that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face, I will hear from heaven and will heal their land. Now, I understand that our land is not going to be fully healed until our king returns. But to the extent and to the point that it can be changed, we are called to facilitate that, I believe, uh, but not facilitate it in the way that many would think. I believe the most powerful and the holiest thing that we can do in the face of conflict, in the face of anger, in the face of strife, very often is to remain silent and pray fervently. Pray fervently, not just remain silent. Let God hear your voice. Not the other people. They don't need to hear what you're upset about and angry about. On, so, don't get me wrong. Talk to people if you need to talk to them about internal issues, things that are going on. Receive counsel. But let the whispers stop so that the strife can stop, so that the fire can go out. We can't put it out in the world. We can't put out the fires that are in the world. But we can walk with a sense of peace and a sense of integrity, a sense of covering and forgiveness in our lives that allows us to walk in a grace that forgives those who offend us and lets it go. And I'm, I'm going, God, what does this really have to do with this passage of Scripture? In this passage of Scripture, there's just one person and he's angry at him and he grabs him by the throat and he doesn't want to forgive the ten coins. And I'm like, so God, what does this have to do with this this massive unrest, this anger that seems to be just below the surface all the time? All the time. If you cross somebody, if you pull out in front of them, they'll shoot you. You know, you used to just get a dirty look. Now it's just, there's, there's something that simmers right below the surface, often even in the hearts and the, the spirits of Christians who are angry at one thing or another. 
And God is really just saying it's enough. What does this have to do with that? Because see, sometimes we're not angry at a person. Sometimes we're not angry with something that we can put a name or a face on. Sometimes we are mad at everything. Sometimes we're angry and we carry the debt of a church that we think hurt us. Sometimes we're angry and we carry the debt of a political affiliation that we don't agree with. Sometimes we're angry and we are hurt because someone says or does something. Sometimes we're angry at a whole race of people or at a whole religion that we know nothing about. And we carry these things in our hearts and they become a part of who we are and how we walk out this, our time on this planet. And God's going, no, you don't get it. You are supposed to walk with a constant awareness of what I have forgiven you. Those 10,000 bags of gold that I forgave you, you cannot carry their debt. You can't do it. You weren't called to. God has called us to something so much higher. And, I, and my concern is that you would walk away and think that I am... Uh, talking about something that's happening in this place or in that place. I'm talking about a pervasive thing in the earth that we are called higher in every aspect of our life to be lovers of peace and lovers of God. That's who he is. He's faithful that way. So as I began to seek the Lord, I was like, Lord, how do we do this? How do we, how do we take these things and, and turn them around? And, and the Lord just began to minister. You got you to gotta just be aware because sometimes we do it mindlessly. You know, I was sitting in a booth having lunch with somebody and the people in the booth behind me. See, Scripture says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. People reveal their hearts all of the time when they open their mouth. And a lot of times we go, oh, they're not really like that. But if, if someone is talking like this, that's what's in their heart. That's the overflow. And if I were to read this person by the words that were coming out of their mouth, there was an Absalom spirit because they were talking about how their church would be better if their pastor were replaced. They were very clear on the fact that the, the husband they had chosen was the wrong one because they were not singing his praise in the city gates. They sat and revealed their hearts to total strangers with words that flowed from their mouth, that flowed from their hearts. But see, God tells us to guard our hearts for out of it flow the issues of life. Out of it, we're to guard our hearts. That's what God has called us to do. And we're supposed to live differently. Supposed to live differently. See, sometimes we walk around, and I'm not going to keep you guys a long time. Sometimes we walk around and we think everything's okay because we have forgiven with our mouth. We have said, I forgive that person. I'm not mad at them anymore. But then somebody comes by and touches that bruise. And all of a sudden you remember how mad you were. <laughs> and that is still a part of you. And we think, well, it's okay. Fake it till you make it. No, make it. Make it. Because God loves his people. God loves his people. I'm looking at this and I'm going, you know, you know that that servant had to be so thrilled with his master when his master forgave the 10,000 bags of gold. I do find it humorous that he thought for one moment, get, be patient and I will pay you back. Where are you going to get that? Anyway, but he had to just love his master. But somehow there was a disconnect between his love for his master and his commitment to this other servant. 
The forgiveness that he had received had nothing to do with how he was getting ready to treat this person. And sometimes there's a disconnect in us. We walk around and we go, God, I love you so much. God, I love you. You are my world. I wish they would leave me alone. God, you are faithful. I put my trust in you if they call me one more time. And we separate our love of God from the love of the people. And we will go, oh, I love God. It's his people I have a problem with. And we laugh it off. But I believe it breaks his heart. I believe it breaks his heart. If I tell Justin and Jessica that I love them, and I do, you guys are the coolest. I love them. But I see Noah hurt and broken somewhere and I don't do something for Noah. I am a liar. Because if I love them, I know how they love that baby. And I will be there for Noah. God loves his people. Don't think for one minute because they don't act like you. God doesn't love them. These are his kids all the way across. All the way across. If I, love, if I say I love him, I better love his people or I am a liar. I'm redefining love as I see it. God loves his people. There's a way that we walk around with these things and, and, and we don't let go. The, 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 this point, this very last thing in this scripture, it says, unless you forgive your brother or sister, what? From your heart. From your heart. This is not just something that we say. It's something that has to be done and cultivated in our lives. And the wonderful thing about these two words, God is so precise. Apocardia. Apo means to separate entirely from the whole. To take something and separate it completely from the whole part. From what? From the heart. From the center. Literacardia. The center of all physical and spiritual wellness the center of our wholeness. We are to take these offenses, take these things that, that we harbor and that we hold on to, and we aren't supposed to just shove them down. Not just, not just supposed to talk about them. They're supposed to be completely removed from who we are. Completely removed from who we are. And as much as we would like to think that God comes in and he administers anesthesia and uses this little precise scalpel to cut out this ugly part of our heart, no, it's wrenching. It hurts when you have to give up that thing you have hidden behind your whole life. It hurts when you have to forgive those people who haven't changed how they behave. It hurts when you have to do that, but you are the better for it. These things are supposed to be completely removed from our lives. You think you have, but you walk around and you hide them and you hold them close. I thought for 25 years that I had forgiven my father. I need a praise team. I didn't mean to strike my fist like I was angry at them. <laughs> praise team right now. <laughs> I walked around, and those of you who have seen me, I've, I've been in ministry here for a long time now, and, and if out of the abundance the heart mouth speaks, there is inevitably instances, there are inevitably instances where you thought, when I spoke of my father, boy, she's still carrying some stuff. And you would have been totally right. Totally and completely. I had forgiven him a million times for leaving us. But I was still mad at him. I blamed him for the abandonment. I blamed him for the abuse that took place after he left. 
I blamed him for so many things. He became my excuse for every bad behavior, for every um, less than Christ-like behavior that I had. He was my excuse. Well, if, if this hasn't, hadn't happened, and I carried it, and I carried it, and I, but I would say I had forgiven him. And then one day the Lord said, you've not forgiven him. You're still angry. And I'm like, I'm not angry. Like you're going to argue with God. <laughs> like you're going to convince him, oh no, you didn't see what you think you just saw. Um, and he knew how to reach that place in me. And don't you know God will do what it takes to reach that place in you? Because see, what he's searching for is an undivided heart, an uncontaminated heart, a heart that loves him wholly and fully and that extends that love and that forgiveness and that grace and that mercy to the world around them. And you can't do that when this garbage is in here. And so the Lord began to take me on a journey and he just played a film for me. My mom had told me stories about my dad. But they were just stories. And then one day the Lord began to roll a film for me in my spirit. And in my spirit, what I saw was my dad as a little boy, a little blonde-headed boy, sitting out on the front steps of an old, broken-down house, parents who didn't know God, sitting out there in a little pair of dirty overalls. And I see... In, in, in this thing, I just see this fist fly out and hit him, knocking him off the step. And then I followed the, the, the arm and I went up into the face of my grandfather, who was a wicked alcoholic. I mean, mean alcoholic. And the Lord took me and I saw my grandfather would go and he would drop my father off miles away from the house. And he would have to find his way home. And then in my spirit, I saw my dad hiding under a truck as someone tried to beat him with a rake. And then what I saw in my spirit was Jesus. And what I saw was the wounds in his side. And I saw this blood and liquid begin to pour out of his sides and flow over the feet of this child. And I saw this crown get pushed into this brow and the blood begin to flow as he leaned over that boy, that child. And he poured his blood out and I could feel in my spirit all of the compassion, all of the love that he had for my father that I didn't have. And, and as I'm watching this, I'm like, the only thing I felt, I was like, oh God, it is a miracle. It is a miracle that he lasted as long as he did as our father. It is a miracle, God, that you brought him as far as you have brought him. He was so broken. And then he took it a step further and he said, what if that was your son? What if that was Aaron or Matthew? that had walked through that place. Wouldn't you want some grace extended to them? Wouldn't you want somebody to just love on them? Everything, everything that I had felt against him, every anger was gone in that moment because he touched this place in me and I thought, he just went, this is how I see him. This 
this is how he sees them, your them, your person that you hold it against. Don't you know that that is God's child? He knows their story beginning to end and he is merciful and he is compassionate and he is kind toward them and he is calling us to let it go. He's calling us to stop blaming someone who had no help, no recourse in these moments. So where are we? What do we do with that? The Lord said, ask them this. Are you angry with someone in particular or everyone in general? Either way, the answer's the same. We have to begin to see people as sons and daughters of God on the planet and we need to begin to seek him and pray fervently for these who are so caught up in strife and anger and anxiety and pain so the word for you the Lord gave me reminded me of a poem he gave me during that healing time and I extend it to you this morning you carry a wounded heart in hand you've done it now for years From time to time, you take it out and you mourn and you shed your tears. What should have healed so long ago lays open and bleeding still. For you refuse to lay it down, though oft you say you will. Bound tight by cords of bitterness, the pain's a living thing. It consumes your days and it directs your ways like talons in your mind it clings. Flashes from your past they play and you long so to be free but child you cannot do alone what can only be done by me only I can cleanse your mind and heal the wounds you hide it's time to lay it all at my feet and forget everything that you've tried complete and whole is my plan for you no ties to wounds of past cease your ups and downs walk stable and sure for child my healing it lasts But there's one thing I will need from you. And yes, I'm sure you know. Before I can take that pain away, you must choose to let it go. So Father, we thank you for another opportunity to walk whole in your sight. Father, I pray for each and every one, Father, who has pinpointed this thing in their heart. Even now, God, it rises in their hearts. God, I'm asking for complete removal, Father. Complete separation from the heart of who they are so that they can live on this planet as the people you have called them to be. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen.